Romans chapter 8. We pick up today in verse 5. And, you know, it's sort of not really truth to say I'm going to teach Romans chapter 8. I really don't know if anyone could really, you know, fully teach Romans 8. And I, I don't really think anybody could really absorb being taught Romans chapter 8 because it's, it's such an amazing chapter. It's like trying to, you know, grab the Grand Canyon in your hand or try to drink all the ocean in a straw or something. This is, this is one of these chapters that it's so deep and so vast. As you continue to meditate on it, you continue to grow deeper in the Lord as you look at it. And I quoted uh, last week, Dr. Barnhouse had said that every Christian, if their Bible were to fall off the table, should automatically flop open to Romans 8. It's just such a center part of Scripture. But I might add that Romans, is, it's not an easy book to teach through. It's not an easy book to, to hear sermons of because it is of the deeper things. I mean, this isn't your, you know, Lucky Charms breakfast here, okay? It's, uh, you know, cooking up the omelet and the potatoes and, you know, frying up all the bacon and all. This is, this is where we're, you know, getting to the meat. And so in essence, you, to some degree, have to want it to get it because it, it's not a, a nice little story about a little boy killing a giant. It's, it's digging into doctrine. And I trust that, that your heart will be hungry to hear it today. But we saw at the beginning of Romans 8 that making it clear, even though there's a struggle going on with the flesh, that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And in verse 5 we pick up here, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded, fleshly minded, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so we come to this chapter, in chapter 8, and all of a sudden we hear 21 times, the Spirit, the Spirit of God. Paul said, the things I don't want to do, I do. The things I do want to do, I don't do. And, oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death. Thanks be through Christ Jesus, my Lord. But then he ends chapter 7 saying, with my mind, I'm ser- serving the, the law, the principles of God. But with my body, you know, I still got this dead thing going on in me. And then he comes to chapter 8 saying, there's no condemnation. But now he turns around saying, hey, Romans didn't end with chapter 7. Romans didn't end with the message going, you're going to always have this battle. You're always going to feel defeated. You're always going to feel like you're at the losing end of this, this uh, life in the spirit because the flesh is so overpowering. End of story. That's not the end of the story. The end of the story is by God's spirit, you can overcome the flesh and you can live a life in the spirit and he's going to talk about it some in chapter 8 and then we're going to get to chapter 12 and he's going to really start talking practically how to have a life in the spirit but he he says here though very plainly that all the world is broken down into two types of people everyone on the earth is either one of two types of people you're either one who is carnally minded fleshly minded Are you one who is spiritually minded? Now he's going to say plainly in a minute that the people that are spiritually minded are those who have been born again by God's spirit. They've confessed that they're sinners in need of a savior. They believe that Jesus is that savior, that he died on the cross, rose again for our sins. And you submit your life to him. And at that moment, his spirit comes and lives in you. And you now have the capability of having a spiritual mind. On the other side, everybody else is in a fleshly mind. Well, boy, that sounds pretty narrow. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, Jesus said, I alone am the way, the truth, and life. There's no way into the Father except through me. Jesus said emphatically many different ways that there is no other way a person becomes a spiritual person, a truly spiritual person, Unless his spirit lives in them. Jesus, his spirit comes to live in your life. All other religions are false religions. All other religions are carnally minded. They're man's fleshly attempts to appease God or please God or draw near to God. 
But that fleshly mind will only bring about death. This week, you sort of saw a picture of that. You know, the, the big thing this week is, you know, some goober in the Midwest burning Korans, you know. And these guys always try to make it sound like they represent all of Christianity. But in essence, what it is, is some guy in the name of Jesus, in a fleshly mind. In his carnal mind, he's offended that the Muslims are wanting to build a mosque on ground zero. And he's like, hey, you're pushing my flesh, I'm going to push your flesh. You're offending me, I'm going to offend you more. And there's just this push of fleshliness going back and forth. And, and we're just standing back going, yuck. <laughs> it's just a bunch of flesh. It's man, as it says in 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of this earth. But they're mighty in God. They're spiritual, pulling down the strongholds of the enemy. It's not going to be by pushing each other's flesh and trying to upset one another and offend one another. It's just two religious people in the name of religion, in the name of God, in a carnal mindedness. What, what did Jesus say? He tells us continuously, it says, loving kindness and tender mercies that bring us to repentance. Not, your Muslim religion is horrible, I'm going to burn your Bible and teach you guys. You know, I, I can't tell you how ridiculous that is. Several years back, there was a guy who said that uh, when London had a bombing in their subway, that that was God's judgment against them for England turning their back on Christianity, becoming a, a secular nation or whatever. And I had just flown into London just about the same time this sort of hit. And there's some, some guy in the Midwest had 20 people in his church that ended up being his family members. And, but yet, when I got to London, all of London believed that every Christian in America, that's what they thought. And I can't tell you, it was just ridiculous saying, no, you know. It, it's, if, if God's bringing you repentance, it's not going to be going, I'm going to get some guy to blow up your subway to teach you a lesson and now repent, you bunch of horrible heathen. I can't tell you how opposite that is of the Spirit of God. That's not spiritually mindedness. Well, then from there to London, I went to Africa and was gone there for a while. I came back to London. It was still front page. Then I went to Hungary. I came back to London. It was still front page. I mean, we're talking like a month. It was just constantly the media was saying, this is what Christians think about the UK, that we're a bunch of heathen and God's blowing things up over here to punish us, to get back in right, right track. And people want to just have conversation about it. It's like, I don't even want to talk about it. It's so beyond ridiculous, I can't even have a conversation about it. It's just a carnal mindedness, an earthly mindedness to try to figure out how to have a relationship, a spiritual entity of your life. And so man in his fleshliness wants to burn candles and have incense and and, and, and create some kind of religion that, that fills right to his flesh. Crawling on his knees or having to go through some kind of religious rituals and catechisms and whatever. You know, I've got to have this religious thing that, that feels heavy and you've got to be disciplined. You've got to work at it. And, and this, this fleshly thing is going to make me a more spiritual person. It can look, the, the carnal mindedness can look very religious. It's interesting, in the Midwest, we have the Bible Belt. And the Bible Belt Christianity is people that, it's a part of their social makeup to go to church. It's a part of their social makeup to buy American cars, eat apple pie, like baseball, and have a Bible on their coffee table. But you've got to understand that this shell of social Christianity, it's very hard. And it's very clear in their mind. But underneath is just carnalness. There's no true spiritual mindedness. There's no true submittedness to God. And you you try to preach to somebody who has this hard shell of an appearance of obedience, of appearance of submission. And they're in many ways, in their minds... Good moral people being kind and being nice. And, you know, my neighbor's sick. I make him some soup. And, you know, if a guy's got a flat tire, I help him change it. And, you know, there's, there's built in some real good moral uh, giving and sharing of their lives. And so it even sort of hardens the shell. They even make it a, a greater appearance of a spirituality. 
But underneath, there is not a submission to the will and the purity and the holiness of of following God. So, you know, when we're talking about being carnally minded, it can look like, you know, the guy being drunk and beating his family. Or it could look like the most holy religious monk on a mountain that's, you know, castrated himself and living a, you know, this life where he only eats, you know, juju beans and has one robe and, you know, shaves his head. I mean, it can look all kinds of different ways. But there's only one life that's in the spirit. There's all kinds of ways the carnal mind can look. But there's only one way the spiritual mind looks. And it looks like Jesus. It's very simple. His spirit comes and fills your life. And now from that work of the spirit, we have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. And it's none of it's from us. And this chapter, if you don't get anything else today, understand that this chapter is not saying, don't be carnally minded anymore. You need to get, with your strength of your flesh, more focused, more disciplined, start reading harder, praying harder, working harder at it. You, with your flesh, can beat your flesh down and get your spirit life working better. That's exactly what this chapter is not saying. (laughs) This chapter is saying, by the power of God's spirit, you're born again. God showed you your sinful condition. God drew you to himself. God reached down to you and died on the cross for you. And he has led you unto himself. And by the power of God's spirit, you are born again. And now how are you going to walk? It's by God's spirit. This chapter is simply saying, if you're carnally minded as a believer, to simply recognize that and to say, God, here I am. You've caused me to be born again by your spirit and I want to be spiritually minded because to be carnally minded is death. You know, it's, it's amazing how people can justify things. I know it because of my own life. <laughs> it's easy to, to just try to say this, this little bit of carnal mindedness is not going to produce death. You know, I can, I can smoke a little dope on Friday night or whatever, but it's not going to be like I'm going to become a drug addict. You know, I can go out every Friday night and drink with the boys and, you know, probably drink a little more than I should, but it's not like it's going to affect my marriage and my family. You know, I can dabble on the internet with a little pornography, but it's not like it's going to cause me to ever become perverted. I'm going to go out and gamble a little bit. It's not like I'm ever going to become a real gambler, addicted to it, or really have any great loss. And it's always amazing to me where people come and they're like, I just can't believe I'm addicted. Hmm. I can't believe that gambling's destroyed my economy. I can't believe that, you know, drinking with the guys every Friday, well, then turn it Friday, Saturday, and then we'll enter it Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but, well, then Monday, you know, not every Monday, it was every other Monday, and then, you know, I can't believe that that affected my life. How alcohol affected my life, I can't believe that. I, I can't believe that that little bit of pornography really caused me to end up doing some foolish thing, and now I'm, I'm ruined. You know, it, they're always amazed, they're always surprised, like, I can't believe that carnal-mindedness produced death. It killed my marriage. You know, I, I, I drink every once in a while, but my kids are now drunkards. Yeah, maybe that carnal mindedness didn't sink you in this month or year or 10 years, but yet it affected your family, giving them a license. That's one of the works of the flesh in Galatians 5 is licentiousness. Giving yourself a license to do something that other Christians don't do. And here the, the Bible is just saying plainly, understand You're either carnally minded or you're spiritually minded. If you're spiritually minded, you're walking as Christ walked, you're going to be living in life and peace. You know, our body is just such a dead weight to us already. It's not like we're cruising by and it's easy living in a sinful body. It's hard. And how stupid it is to complicate things that much more 
with, with carnal things and justifying and rationalizing and, and giving ourselves permission to things that are ultimately, whether it takes a month or a year or 10 years, are going to produce death. You know, it's, it's not like it's somewhere way out there from even the most spiritual people. I mean, we think of that story with Peter in chapter 16 of Matthew where Jesus says, who do men say that I am? And they're all giving their answers. And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and, and Jesus said to Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father in heaven has revealed this to you. And I could just see Peter's giant smile and looking at the other guys, heard directly from the father. I'm surprised as you are, but hey, that's just me. That's how I, that's how I roll. And then Jesus starts going in and starts talking about he's going to go and be crucified and put to death. And, and Peter just, now, you know, this man who hears from the Father just starts rebuking Jesus. You're not going to die. You're not going to suffer. This is, this is not going to happen. And Jesus in Matthew 16, 23, moments later, says this to Peter. He turned and said to Peter in Matthew 16, 23, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. Notice why. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Or in the terminology of Romans here, you are carnally minded. <laughs> and it's causing you to see things from the natural man's point of view. It's offensive to me. It's of Satan. And so here we see Peter from going from spiritually minded to carnally minded. In the same way we've had that experience And we need to just recognize to be carnally minded is to bring forth death. And look in verse 7 there of Romans 8, verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Notice here, it doesn't say the carnal mind is enmity with God or it's at enmity. Uh, it's, It's very emphatic here. The carnal mind is at enmity, at war against God. The the terminology here, it's its number one enemy. God's number one enemy is not Satan. God's number one enemy is a human being and his personal free will with a carnal mind. That's the number one enemy of God. And it goes on in verse 7 to say, for it is not subject, submitted to the law of God are the ways of God, the principles of God, nor indeed can be. The number one enemy against God is our carnal minds. And if you're in a carnal mind, it is you can't be submitted to God. It's impossible. And so people, again, often deceive themselves by saying, you know, well, I'm going to be angry and bitter at this person over here, but you know, the other, 95%, the other 95% of me is fully submitted to God's will. Oh yeah, I, I do got this little internet porn thing happening here a few hours a week. But outside of that, 95%, I'm fully just walking in the spirit. Submitted to God's will. You see, it's ridiculous. It, you're not going to be submitted to the will of God. You're not going to be submitted to God if you got this greedy thing or this bitter thing or this angry thing or this lustful thing or this covetous thing going on. If you're not living the life of the Spirit. I love the way Paul says in Acts 17, in Him we live and move and have our being. If we're not in Him living and moving and having our being, that life of the Spirit where we just wake up in the morning and just say, God, I I want your will. I I don't know about you, but just wake up and just melt. Lord, this is the day you've made. God, today I want to live for you. I want to serve you. I want to love you. I just want every step I take to be in the Spirit. I want every word I say to just bring edification to people and healing and blessing. I want your joy to so fill my life that it's just bubbling out of me and your joy and your love and your kindness and your goodness is just like a blanket falling on everybody that I pass by. And that men see the good works in my life and they know it's not me. They know it's from you. And they glorify my Father who's in heaven. And all day we just walk. We're just, it's sort of that joyful burden, <laughs> that joyful conviction of just, God, I want your will. 
I just want to live for you. I want to, and, and you're so full of the life and the peace with that spiritual mindedness. It's such a, a joy of your life. You don't want to lose it for a second. And even though your flesh is screaming, you know, feed me, let me lust, let me be covetous, let me be angry, let me be self-righteous. Your flesh is screaming 24 hours a day, isn't it? Wake up in the middle of the night, it's screaming, ah, you know. But you have such a life in the spirit, you don't want to lose it for a second. And you just find yourself just walking with that spiritual mindedness. And then you find yourself just constantly submitted to God. It says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. The carnal mind is the natural mind. And even a Christian who starts walking in a carnal mindedness begins to start seeing through things through the eyes of the natural man, not appraising them spiritually. And so all of a sudden they're, they're looking at God, the Bible, Christianity, the church, through these critical fault-finding eyes of, of, of the natural man. And they can't see the things of the Spirit anymore. They, they look at themselves going, man, why did I used to spend so much time getting up early, seeking God in the Word? I don't even know why I even did that. I don't know why I used to lift my hands and worship God. I, I, I feel like a fool doing that now. They begin, they're, 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 they begin to get twisted and seeing things through the natural man. And in verse 8, it says this, back in Romans 8, 8. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, let me say plainly here, in the flesh, as we saw earlier, is referring to people that are not born again. Non-Christians, those who don't have God's spirit in their life are in the flesh. And there's no way, no matter how much religion, no matter how much church attendance, no matter how many prayers, no matter how much sincerity, none of that is going to please God. Human being cannot please the Lord until God's Spirit comes and lives in their life and out of relationship and love, they're following God. In contrast, look at verse 9. He makes it clear. But you, who are born-again believers, you're not in the flesh. You may wrestle with the flesh, struggle with the flesh, fight the flesh, but you're not in the flesh. Why? You're in the Spirit If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. And anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ, well, he's not his. So you're in the Spirit by the very fact that God dwells in you. This word in the Greek dwells is to occupy a house. And to be an equal cohabitor of that house. And in essence, God is saying here that when his Spirit comes and lives in you, that he's now living in your house, occupying your house. And as we walk in the spirit, we do not have the carnal mindedness any longer. In Galatians 5.24, it says this, for those who are Christ, crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. In Colossians 3.5 through 7, it says, therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. So we know exactly the the carnal mindedness. We used to have it as a non-believer. But now he's saying here that as a believer, Christ dwells in us. In John 14... Verse 17, Jesus prophesying of this said, The spirit of truth in the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you. And notice, he will be what? In you. Such a powerful thing to say that the infinite, holy God would live in us. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, 20, 
For do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you have been bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Think about it. This body that's sold under sin, under bondage, this body of death. God's, when we become born again, his spirit still lives in this body. We are the holy of holies. God's spirit is in us. And he's not just about our spirit, but it's also about our body. All of them are God's possessions. He bought us with the price of his death and resurrection. In 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16, all the way through chapter 7, verse 1, in 2 Corinthians six sixteen, it says, For you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them, walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. In 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Therefore, having these promises, the promises of what? God living in you, you being his temple, him being your father, us being his kids, his sons and daughters, having these precious promises. Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. Notice of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So here he's making it abundantly clear that as Christians, we are in the spirit and being in the spirit, we need to just stop and be in awe at the reality that God's spirit lives in us and that he wants our bodies to be a holy temple unto him. He dwells with us. And if you're here today, he's giving that option here. Notice in verse 10, and if Christ is in you, He said back up in verse 9, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Maybe right now, as Paul was recognizing that as he's talking to the church of Rome, that there are people that maybe for the first time discern that they have religiously believed in Jesus, but they have truly not surrendered their life to Jesus. You see, there's a group of people right now hearing me and it's like the Charlie Brown, the Charlie Brown uh, cartoons, you know. Remember when his teacher's talking? It's like, oh yes, 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 yes. And he walks out, and all you hear is, yeah. This is spiritual. You can't hear it. You're like going, you're, you're speaking Chinese. I have no idea what you're saying. And you, you realize that. I'm talking about a life of the Spirit, and you're, I I just don't get it. I'm here at church. What else do you want? We're talking about a life in the Spirit. It's every second of every day, 24 hours a day, where you just are absorbed wanting to fellowship with God and live for God and to have more fruit abound in your life. And, And no matter how loving you are, to be more loving. And no matter how much you've, you, you, you know the word. You want to know him better. There's this life where you're just in him living and moving and having your being. And you may be here today realizing, you know what? I, I'm learning the Bible. I'm, I'm pray, I pray prayers. I, I go to church. But, you know, this, this life in the spirit, I, have, I don't understand it. There's a very good chance that it's because you're not born again. You've accepted the church as their social gathering. You've accepted Christianity as truth. You've accepted Jesus because that's what we do here at this social gathering. But you yourself have not truly repented of your sins and said, I'm going to live my life for you this day forward. You're carnally minded. You're living your own life, asking God to bless your own carnal mind, living your own life. But the reasons you're living is earthly reasons not spiritual reasons. The spiritual mind realizes we're on this earth for just a vapor of time. And God, today, I I don't know about tomorrow, but today, Lord, I want to live for you. Today, Lord, I want to serve you. Today, God, I want to 
my hands, my feet, my mouth. I want to have done everything. I want to have said every word you wanted me to say. I wanted to hug everybody you wanted me to hug. I want to have written every letter I was supposed to write. I wanted to be a witness to everyone I could be a witness to. Lord, today I just wanted this day to fully be given over and pleasing to you, to your pleasure. In Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13, it says this. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out, it doesn't say work for, (laughs) work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to number one, to will, and number two, to do for his good pleasure. You see, the born-again person with the spiritual mind just has this sense of purpose, this sense of destiny, this sense of God's Spirit is living in my life. He has called me before the foundations of the world to himself because he has a plan for my life that's eternal. All this earth stuff, you know, we do it. We go to work, but it's not because I'm going to work to try to get rich, to try to get all my toys so I can get my pile of toys and, and do all the things I want to do with my flesh. No, I'm there because God, that's my mission field. That's where God has me to be a witness and a blessing. I live where I live because that, that's the people that God has me praying for where I live. I was born into this family and I see life from that culture because this is how God wants me to to live. And there's this sense of, of, of just the awe that God has chosen me and has this plan and this purpose for my life. And there's this daily yieldedness to say, God, give me the willingness. And we don't. I mean, our flesh is strong. Some days we wake up just with just our flesh screaming and we can't hear the Spirit of God and just flesh is just pulling us in its direction. And just to say, Lord, please give me the willingness And then give me the power of your spirit to do all of your good pleasure. And so, in verse 10, if Christ is in you, if you're a born-again believer here today, the body is dead because of sin. Your body, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, right? From dust we've come from, from dust where you're going to return. This is just an earthly house that we live in. It didn't get saved. It's not going to get saved. We've inherited this sin, sinful body from Adam and Eve. We're going to have to dwell in the sinful body and fight it till the day we die. But it's not going to heaven. <laughs> this body's going to turn back to dust. God's going to transform our body into a heavenly body. But it's not going to be earthly. It's going to be heavenly. And so we understand as born-again believers, this body is dead because of sin. But here's what we need to focus on. The second part of verse 10 The Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit of God can still rule and reign in our life, even in this sinful body, and and we can live a righteous life. In verse 11, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, again, there's the if, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to what? Your mortal bodies. How? Through his spirit who dwells in you. Here's the argument he's making. It's an argument from greater to lesser. Jesus on the cross took the sin of all of mankind upon him. And the spirit of God, it says here, who raised Jesus from the dead, conquering all the sin of all mankind. That's already happened. If the Spirit of God conquered all sin of all mankind and raised Jesus' body from the dead, how much more can he not take the sin of one person, you? Take your body and give it the same resurrection power. God's Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead, that resurrection power is in you. And it can overcome your body of death. That resurrection power can cause you through his spirit, not through your self-effort. It's not saying, now, it's up to you. You need to focus here. You need to be disciplined. You need to start, you know, being a, you know, a Christian Marine 
You know, you got to start working hard at it, you know. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying God's Spirit's going to bring you to this place to will. God's Spirit's going to bring you to this place to do. And when you're walking in righteousness, you're not going to be saying, praise me. Praise my discipline. Praise, praise my focus. Praise my dedication and studying the Bible and, you know, getting up at four in the morning and, you know, praying on glass, broken glass on my knees, you know, because I, I did it. It's not going to be that. It's going to be all the glory and the honor goes to God through the power of spirit. In verse 12, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. What's he saying here? The flesh has never benefited you. <laughs> the flesh has never prospered you. You don't look at the flesh going, man, I'm so glad that you were so addicted on a dozen donuts every day for the last six months. Man, you're such a blessing flesh. Man, I'm really glad you caused me to lust my head off the last six months. I'm such a better person now. The flesh has done nothing but cause you grief. It's hurt your family. It's hurt you. It's caused you to be unfruitful. It's caused you to be selfish. It's caused you to be self-absorbed. It's caused you to just want to say, leave me alone, leave me in my own little world, and, you know, my TV controls, get away. Ah, you know, my drink, my chair, my life, leave me alone. I, you know, that's all it's done. It's caused you from going from self-consumed to greater self-consumed. It's caused you from being selfish to more selfish. It's caused you from being a grief to being a greater grief. The flesh, you owe nothing to the flesh. And this is what he's going to say now in verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. It's going to bring death to your marriage. It's going to bring death to your children. It's going to bring death to your relationships and your friendships. But if by the Spirit, again, not by your religious works and your religious efforts, by being Republican and voting Republican, it doesn't say that here. By the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. You will live. Now that verse, as we go on, we're going to in particular, get to chapter 12, he's going to give us some practical helps on how to do that. But if we are not a debtor to the flesh, but to put to death the deeds of the body, we'll live. Now, verse 14, very important verse. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So we need to stop here and ask ourselves, okay, if God's Spirit lives in me, What's it look like? Does it look like going to church? No, there's a lot of people who go to church and as soon as they leave here, there's no more being led by the Spirit whatsoever. Let's read in the Bible. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you study the scriptures because in it you think you have life and it speaks of me and you hate me. All your studying of the Bible didn't bring you any closer to the truth. Praying. It's amazing how self-serving praying can be sometimes. I think a lot of times people are praying just because they're lazy. They, they, they just want to push it off to manana and they're, they're using prayer as just a cover-up. I mean, if you're led by the Spirit, are you going to pray? Are you going to read the Bible? Are you going to church? Yes. I think the Spirit leads all of those, but that is not... You can't take any one of those things or even a group of those things and say, that's being led by the Spirit. What is it? A person who's truly born again is led by God, our shepherd. He's leading us. And you think about a shepherd, what does he do? He walks. And the sheep, they follow him or they don't follow him. He's not the cattle driver. You know, he's not got the whip and got the horse and, ah, get over there. You know, forcing his way. That's, that's Satan, isn't it? He took all the, the pigs and they 
when the demons came out of the, the man there, Gethsemane, the demons went into the pigs, and like a herd, they ran into the Sea of Galilee and drowned. There's this, there's this spirit of herding, the spirit of push, the spirit of shoving, not with Christ. He's the gentle shepherd. He walks, and, and we either hear that still, small voice and follow him, or we don't. And that being led by the Spirit is every second of every day, 24 hours a day. I'm not saying we don't lose to the flesh sometimes. We lose battles, sometimes days and weeks at a time. But there's always that sense of, I hear your Spirit. Maybe it's a spirit of grief or repentance. But there's a spirit of where you're, you're hearing the Lord and following Him. Maybe you're here today and you're going, you know what? I can clearly remember a time being led by the Lord. It was the happiest, most joyful time of my life. I can remember just being led into the scripture and God speaking to me. I can remember being led to my friend's house to just feel like I needed to go over there. And I started talking to him and shared what God had shared with me through the word. And God just radically ministered to him. I can remember just waking up at Two in the morning, God putting this person on my heart, and I prayed for him and prayed for him until I fell back asleep and found out, sure enough, at that very time, they were going through this thing. And man, I'm just so thankful God's Spirit woke me up to use me to pray. It's this life of being led, following Jesus' example, walking as he walked, talking as he talked, living as he lived. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If there is any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy of being what? Like-minded. Having the same love. Being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which also was what? In Christ Jesus. This is where God's bringing us to. If you're led by the Spirit, you're one with the shepherd. You're one with his heart, his mind, his love, his humility, his servant's attitude, his desire to, to be a blessing to others, not self-centered, but other-centered. And a person who's truly born again has that sense every second of every day, I'm about my father's business. I don't know whether I'm going to be on this planet another day or another week or another 10 years. It definitely looks like the Lord's coming very soon, but either way, I have today. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow, but today, Lord, I'm going to be hearing your voice, following you. Now, at this point, you're hearing this message, and you're going, man, I am just so convicted right now. I just feel almost condemned. I'm just like, oh, man, this is so heavy. There's this giant weight upon me. I just feel miserable right now because I've been so carnally minded. Well, you, did, you haven't heard what the Spirit of God's saying today. Remember the beginning of the chapter started out, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Why? Because he knew as you go on in this chapter, there is going to be a tendency to feel condemned. That's our fleshly mind. One of the things our fleshly mind likes to do is get depressed, especially about how horrible we are. And Satan will help you with that one as well. God's not saying any of this that anybody would feel condemned. That nobody out there would feel like, oh man, this Christian stuff is so heavy. It's so difficult. It's so hard. Man, I just, this being a Christian stuff is just smashing me. There's always one more thing I got to do. One more weight I got to carry as a Christian. If that's the message you got, you didn't hear the message at all. The message is that God's spirit, by his power, is going to accomplish these things. Without God, we can't. Without us, he won't. All he's asking for us is to come and agree with him. Do you agree? Carnally mindedness is, produces death. I agree with that. 
Spiritual mindedness brings life. I've experienced that. And I'm not there right now. Lord, and right now, your heart would just say, God, I want to be there. I I see you, shepherd. I'm following that narrow road right behind your hills that leads to life. I don't want to go on the broad road that leads to destruction. I've seen my carnal mindedness and I see how it leads me to more carnal mindedness and ultimately to to destruction. Lord, I, I come to agree with you But this is what God doesn't want to happen. Notice in verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. In this message today, God's not trying to put some spirit of bondage on you. He's not trying to create some new religion. He didn't change in the Old Testament law for a New Testament law. You thought the Old Testament law was heavy? Wait till I get you this New Testament law. I'm going to really smash you with it. He's he's not giving you an Old Testament religion for a New Testament religion. This is so important that God is giving to you not another religion that would bring bondage and fear to you. But what? He says in the second part of verse 15. But that you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. What is God offering to you? He wants you to be his kids. He wants to be your father. I mean, imagine if you could for a second, you could have the perfect child, the most obedient child. Take out the trash. Yes, sir, dad. Take out the trash. Well, it's quick. Do the dishes. Well, you're right here. Wow. Straight A's every time in the report card. Never been a trouble. Always been this perfect person. But yet they... They have no sense of relationship. It's like, come here and let me give you a hug, son. Okay, dad, there you go. Is that enough? It's time to go to bed. Okay, want me to read your story? Not necessary. Thank you anyway. You know. You got this perfect, obedient kid, but he has no ability, emotions, or feelings to, to connect with you. Would you want that? And I've, and I've seen Christians say, I've had Christians many times tell me, it's like, man, I prayed to God, God, take my free will away. I, I give it to you. I don't want it anymore. Just make me the perfect Christian robot for you. It's like, man, I, I joined that club. <laughs> I'm with you. I want to join. It's my free will. It gets me in trouble all the time. I'm, I'm more than willing to get rid of that. Just my will is your will, God. So just make me that perfect Christian robot. But God says, No. It's your daily free will of submission to him that shows him the love. That's how we love God. It's by fighting the flesh and, and by our will daily surrendered to him. That tells us, that tells him that we love him. And that's what he wants. In the Roman culture, adoption was huge because it gave you all the rights of a Roman citizen. And it gave you all the inheritance of that adopted parent. And so an an adoption in the Roman Empire was huge. As a matter of fact, an adopted child was like a prince amongst natural-born children because it was such a claim to, I want you as a part of my family, even though blood relationship was huge. It's like, you're beyond blood. You're more important to me than blood relation. And it was just a huge honor. And here's what he is saying is that God is honoring you to be his child. And so in the midst of raising kids, what do we have? (laughs) It's a messy business, isn't it? Kids in their free will and telling you no and throwing a block at you and I'm not going to go to bed and having to discipline them and deal with them. But then when they repent and they just sort of melt in your arms, I'm so sorry, Dad. And you're there to comfort them going, you know what, it's okay. I forgive you. You know, those moments of just, I love you. I don't want to hurt you. I want to obey you. I want to please you. And those connections that's made. This is what God is doing for us. That we would all cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. And that's the life of the Spirit. Where we have this relationship with Him. Not this religion. Not this set of rules. Not this robotic life. 
But this life where, yes, we're wrestling, we're struggling, we're failing, but we always, every second, are just in the arms of God. Lord, I shouldn't have flipped that guy off on the freeway this morning. I feel so bad about that. And besides, it was Pastor Brian, and oh, I got to go to church next Sunday. And, man, shouldn't have cut me off, though. But, oh, Lord, I just, oh, I'm grieved over that. You know, there's just that, that sense of just brokenness and that sense of wanting God's will. And, and as we walk in the Spirit and we begin to see the fruit of the Spirit, you just never want to leave that place. If you've been an edification, you speak in words and people are edified and, and you're loving people and they're stirred and strengthened and you lead people to Christ and disciple them, there's just no sweeter way. To live in the Spirit is life and peace. Amen? Lord, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, if there's any here today at all that need that in their life right now, they're not born again. By the power of your Spirit, lead them to repentance. If you're here today and you need Christ to come into your life right now, by faith, I'm a sinner, God. I need a Savior. I believe you sent your son Jesus to die for my sin, to conquer my sin through his resurrection. Now submit your will to him. James 2 says, faith without works is dead. What's the works? Right there. Submission to the spirit. Submission to God. I give myself to you from this day forward and you live and move and have my being to hear your voice and obey it. If you're a Christian here today and you realize, you know what? I've been hearing God's word and not doing it. Oh, I've had a a shell of obedience, but underneath there is not a true submission to God. And I've been building my house on sand. You're looking at the house. It looks like a really strong house, but underneath is sand and it's going to fall. And I'm a believer, but I have not been living the life of the spirit. I've been listening to my flesh. My flesh gets its way. My flesh is being honored. But I'm not being led by the Spirit into a submission to Him in the Word, in prayer, in fellowship, in witnessing, in loving, in obeying. And I realize right now that my carnal mindedness has to end. Lord, forgive me. Daddy, Daddy. (laughs) Abba, Abba. I submit myself right now to you. In Jesus' name. And Lord, thank you for washing us in your word. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you. Take time to fellowship with one another and encourage one another. If you need prayer, come forward. I'd love to pray with you. Bye-bye.